Alright, we're doing the Brain Trust podcast once again, and I am Adam Vass, a tabletop game designer in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I'm Lily Ups, tabletop game designer in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Adam, what's up? Designing tabletop games. You know. Tabletop games. They're, they're a funny thing, aren't they? Uh, sure, sure are. There's a... No shortage of them, but we keep making more. <laughs> there feels like there is both like not a shortage of them, and maybe in my personal life, a extremely drastic shortage of them. Yeah. Um, like I know that there are tabletop games, just in the same way that I know there are rich mines of gold in the earth. I don't know if I'll see them. I don't know if that's for me. <laughs> I just trust that they'll be found somewhere, somehow, by someone. And I'll sit on the couch while I wait. That's what faith is. Yeah. And I, I will put up some shots. I'll make some zirconium. See if anybody's <laughs> interested. Maybe, you know, someone will have some gold that they bring down my way and I get to play. Um, that is a serious goal I have now this summer is to just play in a regular game that's not a playtest. Yeah, test. wouldn't it I feel be like nice? It's a really, com- it's a really uh-huh. common story. Um, for people like us who make games and you have to play test them and the ways we relax are not really tabletop games. Yeah, I can't even think of the last time I played a game that wasn't a play test. I played a role playing game. It was probably when we were doing Merkborg like yeah. months ago. Yeah. I did a play test of this Discord has ghosts in it, which was more I was like just watching a movie. That's a little bit closer to what that is. <laughs> um, but I, I played a board game yesterday. I'm going to be a little rude about it, so I won't say what game it was. But I just didn't understand some rules. There's like a rule interaction that I didn't understand. And I just became f- a free consultant for the game. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't like this. I need some more magic. I need some distance. I need a big curtain between me and the goals of a game and I just want to play it. I think that's why video games are working for me right now. Yeah, same. Hard. And I think I became kind of a video game player from, honestly, from doing this show. Because um, mm-hmm. it does scratch that escapist itch and it does absolve me of that kind of desire to understand it on a more like primal level. Because um, yeah. I can't make a video game like Elden Ring, so <laughs> I don't examine like the decisions that they make. I just try to be. I yeah, I've got no skin in the game. It's like going to see a movie and having like an hour long conversation after. I can't really have that type of conversation with role playing games without like, you know, I, I know just enough to get me in trouble. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's like cooking. Like I have enough of a grasp that I can feel creative and do a good job, but not so much that I am, you know, buying special tools. Finding yourself in PvP combat against the person who wrote the recipe. <laughs> you know, I like that. It's like... uh you should that's why those cooking those recipes for on blogs are so long it's not because you know it's someone expressing that their love of food and applying some kind of seo 
optimization for it. It's so that there is a big wall between you and them before you can get their weak points. <laughs> or you can find their, their critical damage spots. Yeah, that's like learning it's the like boss pattern. Nancy, Nancy, your carnitas recipe is not working for me right now. <laughs> I can't use beer for it. Um, what are you playing right now? You mentioned Elden Ring. Yeah, I just finished playing Horizon 2 Forbidden West and took like a week off of all things and now I just started Elden Ring. And I'm like an hour in and uh, really want to be playing it right now. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos about it before our call, so it's like it's really at the front of my mind. Can I have some guesses about your play experience? Yeah, and I am very early, so... Yeah. Yep. You know what? You're maidenless. True. You're maidenless. Uh, You eat dung. Okay. I'm tainted or whatever. Um, uh, you're tainted, you're tarnished. And uh, they told me to touch grass, which I was a, a little <laughs> bit upset by. Uh, L plus ratio plus maidenless. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Elden Ring's really good. Uh, it is. It's wild. Uh, so, like, you, it's your first hour. This is your first Souls-like game. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, what class did you pick? I, you know what kind of things I picked a confessor. Um, I wanted someone that could do magic and also hold a heavy sword, and I assume that that's gonna be that uh, class for me. And I made a very gaunt character. <laughs> I, I wanted her face to look like a skull, or like yeah, she soon will be a skull. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to name her Harvester of Sorrow. And it was too long, so her name's just Harvest. I knew that this would be a good soul burner project. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, come in with. And so far, I've really just killed a couple wild animals. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially sure. coming from Horizon, where I'm richly rewarded for hunting. Um, it's a very different experience, and I haven't quite figured out what it is yet. I'm excited to track this journey along with you because I have played every, almost every uh, Soulsborne game and I have never finished any of them and I like all of them. Um, But Elden Ring is one I definitely got the furthest with and yeah, I'm just, maybe we can have this be a reoccurring segment on the show. Um, I, I implore everyone listening to go check out um, John Battle's video uh, on Elden Ring that they posted last week on uh, the Project Nerves YouTube channel. Just really great video. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's sort of uh, actually what pushed me to playing it, despite the sort of consensus of the video being that they wouldn't replay it. It's interesting because it's, like, it's not a condemnation of the game. It's just right. like this is a singular experience. I won't be revisiting this is the uh, the kind of thesis of the video is like the experience is exquisite and I'm only going to have it once. And that's just a really interesting framework for the game. Um, I went in as the I usually tried to pick the most like diaper class. Um, so someone with nothing 
There's, yeah. I don't got anything. Got to win it. Got to make my own luck. So I picked the, I think it's called like the Wretched or something. I think it's the Wench. The Wench. I'm a classic Wench player. Uh, I feel like if you're giving me a sword in the beginning, I, you can already tell. I like to make this shit as hard as possible yeah. for myself. Yeah, this tracks so I can is what extract, I know. <laughs> yeah. I can, it's like getting blood from a stone. It's like, I, I am working so hard on it. Um, compressing my, my coal of a game experience into a pearl. And um, yeah, I went for a big sword freak. Uh, that's all I'll say for now. Um, I am playing a couple games right now. I've realized that at this stage in quarantine, I just need like three appointments a week. And that's what's going to really help me at this point. I've hit the next, like, six-month wall in Crisis. Where I was just like, damn, I just need, kind of need some regular stuff to do um, ASAP. So one of those things is that I play Sea of Thieves with a group of friends. And uh, if you're not familiar with the game, it's like a pretty uh, fun and casual pirate game with multiplayer. And it's almost just like a... I don't know what the right word for it is, but it's very simplistic. There's no stats. You just have buttons and press stuff, and you are making a ship go, and it's very uh, physical. And we just decide something to do that week, and then we take two hours and do it, and that's that's super fun. But we had a cool experience where you can only play with four players in a server, and it's a multiplayer game, so there's going to be other pirate ships out there that are going to be trying to fuck you up, um, and you can like talk to people in proximity chat and stuff like that. So it's got this, you know, pirate attitude to it. But we had five players, so we started to do this ritual where we would all start the game at the same time to get on different servers, and then we would check, we would raise a special flag that puts your icon on the map that everybody can see just trying to see if we could all get in the same servers. And we were doing this for like an hour trying to get five of us in. And we started to develop like a ritual around like which loading screens we were going to see, how we counted it off and everything. And then we ended uh, that hour with three of us getting in the same server with three giant boats. And we were just able to fucking blue angels our way (laughs) through the seas. And it was such a blast. Um, and a super cool part of Sea of Thieves is that it comes loaded with four different musical instruments. So there is a hurdy-gurdy, a fucked-up banjo, a drum that you also whistle, and then an accordion. And uh, we were all playing music together, like all the songs. And it was just this really cool experience. You know, the I think the music of the game is really interesting because you can only hear certain parts of the harmony and melody based on what you're playing. And this is probably the first time that many of us heard these shanties in its entire, like, orchestrated version. That's wild. That's cool. Yeah, the game's really good. Um, Sea of Thieves, get in there, go play it. There was a tabletop version of that, wasn't there? Like an official one? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Maybe they did a board game, I think. I think they did a kind of like there there is like a pirate game that has like tile flipping I believe mm. uh, for some reason I feel like there was a Kickstarter 
uh, RPG that was a like licensed thing. Oh, cool! I have no idea like what you would be licensing TBH like. <laughs> the concept it's, of a pirate. It's like a sim, pretty much. Like you eat a banana. I I got I bought a monkey with money. I used money that I've earned from my work and my labor, and I bought a monkey in the game. <laughs> Perfect. Monkey. Monkey's name is Hoss. Uh, uh, another fellow pirate, Alex, has a um, dog called Spaghetti, so they're friends. Uh, I found it. I'm sending it to you. Oh. This is definitely in the era... Oh, Mongoose made it, of course. This is the era of where, like, people were just snatching up licenses for things that maybe don't quite nail it. And the approach is usually to make it a big book yep. and box, have some cards in it, have some weird dice, and the game, no one plays it or ever talks about it. Right, it's just more like a merch item. Yeah, exactly. Like, I care about this game, so I'm going to make merch about it. Um, I feel that way about some certain licenses, uh, like the Blade Runner role-playing game that's coming mm-hmm. out. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah, like, it's not necessarily for anyone. Yeah, you've probably seen, I don't know, one zillion Instagram ads for it. I Yep. I probably... every. Every time I open Instagram, I see an ad for the Blade Runner role-playing game, and it is just a piece of concept art with probably a Windows XP-era PowerPoint uh, art text logo on it, and that's kind of just what the Blade Runner logo looks like, but it's one of these covers that that break all my rules for good covers. (laughs) That is a really nice way to say, it sucks, and every time I look at it, I'm like... You didn't do anything. Like, you just got a gorgeous piece of concept art and schmacked something on it. Um, this kind of, this, a, a lot of what we're talking about is kind of around this thing I wanted to talk about or had considered bringing up, and now I feel like I should, which is uh, the idea that these, like, media properties that we often, like, file the serial numbers off of to make games um they have so many component parts and so many like facets that and as game designers we can only focus on however many and i think it's really interesting because we did this when we were talking about our pokemon game about a year ago Mm -hmm. like pokemon to us was this exploration and and like learning uh joy and then you have other games that focus on battling and training and doing those other aspects but they're all still like pokemon inspired yeah and uh this specifically like blade runner the rpg could be so many (laughs) things right like it could be like your harrison ford like finding replicants or whatever it could be like you're the company Rudger Hauer and friends just escaping from Blade Runners. Yeah, work. there's so many interesting things that all would fall under the same sort of purview. Or even like Sea of Thieves, which I haven't played, but like you said, how do you take that 
video game experience and turned it into a tabletop. Like, what is that, and how do you focus on that? And I have been working <laughs> against my better judgment on a mid <laughs> a midsummer story game, and nice. like just thinking about like the eight different ways I could approach that to still encapsulate what Midsummer is to me. Um, so I thought I wrote down the three big games that we did, which are guide the casting phantoms in the revolution. This discord has ghosts in it and a campfire. Mm-hmm. And I thought it might be an interesting thought experiment to make a different game. F- okay. Like with the same, uh, research or the same kind of foundation okay i can start off this is a great topic i have a uh guide one. yes a guide to guessing phantoms and the revolution yeah. um you are before, the revolution sorry, before you oh, start let's give an overview on what the original game is right. especially because very few <sighs> people probably have it <laughs> um it's coming back in a big way. Uh, a Guide to Casting Phantoms and the Revolution is a tabletop role-playing game where you play a cabal of revolutionaries who summon phantoms and ghosts against the aristocrats during the French Revolution. So the way the game is played is around a giant pentagram, which you put different cards in the different uh, areas of the pentagram, which we uh, obviously called slices and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> And you go around and play scenes with a uh, entire cast of characters, and characters level up in different ways in a narrative sense, where they become our focus characters and they get particular stuff. And at the end of every round, when everybody's called a scene, a new phantom is cast that changes the scenes for the next round. And and one of the most about full- interesting aspects of it to me too is like the phantoms don't just do your bidding the way that a Pokemon would, they ask for things in return. And that really shapes like how your story is told or what approaches these characters take to their conflicts to both mitigate the phantom's desires with their own desires. Yeah. So each phantom causes a couple problems, Um, but it's more like each phantom has countdowns for scenes involving that phantom from like a, gameplay level so it yeah it just makes this really rich experience where you tell the story of how your cabal tussles with extremely potent beings and how you use them to further your revolutionary desires um okay so that's that i'm care I, so i've got one what are what where's your head at at like in this world of like a lifted French Revolution with ghosts um, and this kind of idea of collective a collective using for lack of a better term these weapons that have a great personal cost um, where's your head at I think uh, if I if I were going from scratch like off the top of my head something that would be interesting to me is rather than the very like random summoning that takes place in the the core game the idea that like we have done our research we've read these black books and we know the exact phantom that we want and need to do this mission um mm. so it's most it's almost like 
we the revolutionaries are this kind of like cult that is trying to appease this one creature and if we do so it will just like take care of shit on its own so it raises the power level of the phantom to more like demigod status and it also raises our character's obligations to that creature whether it's like finding sacrifices or like uh, imbued items or offerings or whatever like whatever kind of rituals we have to perform to make it happy and then once it's happy enough once we filled its special meter then it just goes berserker Mm -hmm. mode on the king and that's like the goal (laughs) it's like nightmare tamagotchi (laughs) yeah yeah us all collectively as a cult like caring for this weakened god until its full strength (laughs) finally a collective baby race there it is (laughs) we're able to do real ones no uh i love that i think that's really cool i feel like we could make that tonight right like, um okay so mine that i have actually like concepted out and i have a title for that's how far it is is you play a group of revolutionaries breaking into the castle versailles or the palace versailles and it is a palace crawl rhythm game uh and let me explain what i mean you uh, have to do things within certain meters, so, you know, four beats in a meter, and you get four actions, and then the house moves. Um, and so you are this group of um, freaks and your phantoms moving through this kind of spirit-infused nightmare castle using the real layouts, and it's, I want to have things like you know, incorporating some time play the way that, like, Bluebeard's Bride can suddenly be in the past or in the future and have, like, noise levels. So if you do something, someone in another room will come over or whatever it is. And uh, that one is definitely, like, an on-the-ground, stylish, uh, revolutionary game. And it's called Sovereign, I think is a cool title. Yeah, I think that's going to rule. I think, too... Uh, that was our first big collaboration together, and that's obviously what started this podcast and a lot of the stuff that we do together anyway. Mm-hmm. It is it is interesting to revisit now that we have like sharpened our blades so much. Yeah. I do think it's a rad game. I wish it had... It was like cursed by time <laughs> like to make a such a tactile game at the s- start of... Oh my quarantine. God. We had no idea. We could never have a, a clue, but it's it's just sort of like dead in the water. And there's so much rich <laughs> yeah. stuff. I mean, shit. There's like how many phantoms in that book alone? Yeah, there, there's <laughs> like two dozen or something like that. And it's got you know cool dice mechanics. And you know we have talked about doing a stripped down version. I think doing a split with these three games in it yeah would be cool and if people are into that come talk to us and say you should do this um but yeah yeah that would be fun to to build on and continue to like explore those themes in different lenses i just want to play it too i just yeah want to be able to play this that time you Uh, visited in la that was the last time and only time i played it yeah damn 
let's throw a quick break here, and then we'll come back and talk about another perspective shift on one of our games. Love it. And we're back on the Brain Trust Podcast. We are taking a perspective shift to our old games. Next up, this Discord has ghosts in it. So I got one. So yeah, let's again give the overview. Um, this Discord has ghosts in it is a game that we designed on this podcast. Uh, Remember? To be exclusively like taking place in a digital space, which is, of course, a Discord server. Um you build a you're more sharp on this but i'm gonna i'm trying yeah because you did the last one so <laughs> i'm trying to sh- take some weight uh yeah totally you build a discord server that is a haunted house and each of the rooms are what's his channels in discord channels <laughs> um yeah. you have ghosts that reside there that can only type and yep. you have investigators who go into the haunted place, and they can only use the voice chat. Um, and then you interact, you explore the haunted house, and the ghosts do scary stuff, and the investigators uh, basically just bear witness and get tormented. <laughs> and they try and figure out what the deals with the ghosts Right. Are. Whoa. And then, whoa, beans. But they're, like, fully cloaked in a blanket. <laughs> okay. It might be a ghost. It might be a ghost. It sounds like a random event on, <laughs> on a shitty hex crawl. Um, I think a latent part of a hex crawl is that it should be a little shitty. Some of like, them should be shitty just to yeah, create the, dynamics. I mean, like, even quality level. Like, it should just be kind of janky. Like, the idea of a hex crawl... It should be a little bit detached from reality because no one thinks of the world in fucking hexagons. I was like <laughs> looking for the word. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, this Discord has ghosts in it. The end of the game, you uh, release the ghosts and then you do an epilogue and, and that's the game. And it's we're creating the Game of the Year edition, fully revised, available for pre-order now at goodluckpress.co. If you want to playtest it, I'm running bi-weekly playtests in the Good Luck Press Discord, so come hang out. So I've got one that comes to mind. Do it. I think the joy that comes from the original game is this interplay and this unlevel method of play right like mm-hmm. the text and audio communications not being able to interact directly and it's really cool how that works out um i'm picturing a game where this discord has ghosts in it o- only we are only ghosts it's the spirit and world. I'm picturing like a Disney's haunted mansion, you know, like we're all from different eras. It's almost like a, uh, almost like an American horror story thing. Like oh, the movie 13 goes. Yeah. Have you seen I, I died in this house in 1840 
and you died in this house in 1940 and like our experiences are so different and we just sort of I think mostly this is like a improv story thing of like commiseration and like almost like making sure that your story's not forgotten yeah and going through this sort of linear time and exploring the different ways that this house i guess it's more about the house which i guess again would be the discord server um the ways in itch in which it outlasts each of you and how you affect it but it stays constant this is an extremely good idea that we're going to put in the game now yeah so you start in the house and everyone is like an unarticulated ectoplasm energy one player begins in voice and then they become a ghost and then they're like an articulated ghost spirit and then you go through all the other players through this time process that you're creating the house and its rooms and its renovations and the spirits that are locked to this place yeah it could even be a prequel game like you could even take these ghosts oops all ghosts use that to make the house and its history and then go and play the in like investigator phase that's so good i uh yeah in the revision i added some like extra modes and extra rules and one is like a legacy version and i like this concept better um i think that it is has is alive with the discord has ghost energy without being the same story wow what would i do um hmm. it's it's funny to try and think of like other frameworks for this game because I have been working on it, so I just yeah. kind of only You're see close to it. the... Yeah, I only see the different things I can tweak about the design itself. So I'll just talk about, like, something I'm trying to figure out in this game is how to include special game modes in the way of special stories. So one of them is that one of the investigators is possessed. So how does the game play out when one of the investigators is being controlled by a ghost or one story where the one of the ghosts is actually a witch um, and the witch has certain things that they want to do or one of the investigators is a ghoul and they turn into a ghoul and they dig a ghoul hole and how the game interacts with like when you stack up a couple different horror elements you know ultimate werewolf style yeah That'll be rad. I think that's fun. I think the main thing with this design, now that it's aged and more refined, is that modularity to to offer yeah. all these different experiences in the in the one framework. And I call them like troublemakers. Is like the possessed. The rule breakers would be like the witch, and then the caretakers is when you play with like a groundskeeper who knows a little bit more of the full story mm, and it's yeah. not a ghost or um you know like the person in the van who is giving tech support to the ghost while it's happening um or the investigators giving a ghost tech support what would that sound like <laughs> um can't connect to my wi-fi that, that's cyber metal <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it seems like you're trying to possess the dongle to your keyboard. <laughs> uh, 
um, yeah, a lot of them are just you need a dongle. I One I died in eighteen forty, and I can't plug my rotary phone in. <laughs> There's a dongle. One time, when I was selling all my stuff before I moved, um, I just had this like iMac that was at least twelve years old from a roommate who just left it on the street when he moved out, and then I just kept it uh, to play Sims on. Um, and I sold it to somebody and I accidentally left like the little tiny keyboard dongles. First of all, don't make a dongle smaller than the USB like look, you know what I'm talking about? Like the USB silver magic rectangle that you plug into the computer. Uh Don't make the like case around it, the nub smaller than that. I just think that that is fucked up design sense. Yeah. That Um, when I had a, similar like translucent iMac I had one of those to get it to connect to Wi-Fi and it was the tiniest and it's so weird yeah yeah keyboards have them and and uh mice have them anyways I sold the computer and I uh, sold the dongle with it by accident it was just a freebie and then I just had a useless keyboard then and I had to like pathetically message this guy who I was a little bit strict on the price with <laughs> when I sold it. I was a little bit like, you're not getting a fucking deal? No way. Um, this is a computer, right? It's got chips in it. Um, and by strict, I mean I wanted $40. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like, can you meet me at the South Bay AMC? I don't know if you've been to that one in Boston. Uh, um not off the top of my head. I, I did go to AMC's in Boston. It, yeah, it was in the South Bay AMC. The last time I was there, I stole a Brutus glass from the Applebee's. Should just give you a little context. <laughs> kind of my vibe. Um, anyway, yeah, he brought it back and just wanted to... Uh, he like was like, how do I use the computer? <laughs> I did it it's like, I can't help you. You bought it. This is your problem now. Um Anyway, yeah, dongles. That's the whole dongle vibe. Uh, we have uh, one final game in this triptych, which is Campfire. And I'm I'm really interested with how you're going to take this one. Um, Campfire is an anthology horror storytelling game where players sit around a metaphorical campfire and tell stories using pre-made story decks. For example, um, Adam's deck, which is called Mosh Macabre is is that the wait was that the final name or did yeah. we do a different yeah. yeah yeah just called mosh macabre where you play a bunch of punks doing a sh- what might be their last show last murderous show inspired by you know green room and uncle peckerhead and um other you know hardcore uh horror movies and you every story is modular not modular every story ends up differently you draft different characters and it is a tight cool horror storytelling game yeah i think this is going to be the most difficult at least for me for like, a few you, reasons yeah to, do to you shift pick perspective a story on. or do you shift like the players in the game or i don't know so i think the the reason it's so difficult is not only do i think this is the most like fully realized game we've ever done (laughs) but it also came out less than a year ago so it's like still pretty fresh 
Um, but I think for me, I'm going to lose a lot of the material quality of it, which I adore and make it a, truly a game that is played like around a campfire with like no tools. Yeah. Um, to make it just like pure, uh, in the, in the moment, like immersion of the campfire horror story by literally being at a campfire and telling horror stories. Um, I guess, you know, to just sort of one page it, I think doing a, like a fortunately, unfortunately would just be fun and not necessarily require, you know, like a book or any pieces and you're sitting at the fire. It's like, uh, you know, someone starts with a starting line. Like there was a couple teens at makeout point the Mm. night of a full moon. And then the person next to me clockwise goes, Unfortunately, the full moon uh, was flickering in the sky. Like, oh, that's fucked up. And then the next person goes, fortunately, you know, Todd made Aaron feel more comfortable by putting his arm around them. And, like, you just kind of riff and just go each person taking a sentence, adding and subtracting these, like, horror aspects I love that. I, I don't think I'd be able to play without channeling, like, the two-sentence bad horror stories. On oh, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's the this game like, is. I feel like every time I would add the sentence, like, and little did they know about my creature. Yeah. Unfortunately, the meat worm was also there. <laughs> As I said before, my son was discovered to be a corpse. Um and I actually like that because that is hitting the kind of creep show vibe of it because it's usually like actually they didn't know about my creature. <laughs> no one here knew about the creature before I started talking about it. Um yeah, I like that. And you could you could take it one step more and just you're playing with a deck of prompt cards and you just flip a prompt in your hand and you read it and then everyone says fortunately and unfortunately and then you kind of move through. I think you could even just take the elements of the game and do it. Do the sort of alone among the stars and like you basically codify the a deck of playing cards and say, you know, hearts are moments between our main characters and spades are moments that the threat becomes present and whatever. And then like literally just throw a and then, you know, the number is just how intense it is. Like a two is a pretty calm scene and a king is like a really fucked up scene but and then you just like throw the card into the campfire after each turn i like it it'd just be yeah it's like get you know the bicycle deck at walgreens for a dollar or two and play for an hour and that's just what it is and you burn up the cards i love that that's great burning stuff's fun more games should burn stuff burn stuff break stuff um, what would I do for a campfire? I mean, selfishly, I would... Okay, so you play a game of campfire. And then you have the beats of your season one of a horror show on HBO. Mm-hmm. And then you pl- you figure out what the sessions are going to include. And then you can just finally play um, The Emerald Triangle by Linda Kodega on 
on your game night. Like you, yeah, you use a game of campfire to determine what happens in the first season, and then you play through it. You know, because it's not about there's going to be lots of parts that surprise you, and you know things are coming, but you don't know exactly how. And then you play season two, and then so on and so forth. Even the idea that you write season one in campfire as like an overview, and then you have this other like game system to do episodic telling like. The game of Campfire gives you the season arc. Yeah. But you say, okay, this is a six-episode season, so we break it down and we can kind of, like, get into these moments a little deeper and explore some of the character stuff a little deeper and just basically kind of rehash the same story but in a, like, a campaign-style way. Yeah, like, in Primetime Adventures, which is a show that's all about trying to make... A show. It's a game all about trying to make like a prestige TV show. And you divide up your season between episodes and you see which characters are going to get the focus for which episodes. So you kind of know the energy going into an, a session. And a session could be two hours long. It could be four hours long, whatever. You know who the focus is going to be and you know who's going to have the B plot. And so you just use something like that. Um, I think that that is a cool little expansion we could just put out one picture um yeah something around halloween i think that would be fun it's cool too because campfire tells these i i sort of think of them as movies like yeah singular wrapped up stories that take place in about two hours and treating it as a series or treating it as like a the evil dead tv show yeah (laughs) spin-offs and sequels and dissections of these story doing a, a reboot or a preboot of a story you've already told like there's so much the way that horror has uh infiltrated other forms of media in, especially in recent years with this kind mm. of elevation um could add a lot of cool different game modes to campfire core without necessarily yeah like needing other components or needing different things but you can still like play it in fresh ways. Yeah, we could just make a little zine that fits in the box and maybe do a special limited deck that's added to it. I think that's Yeah. I still have like two hundred flexi discs too that I have not known what to do with with the theme song on it, so theme song is great. Go buy Campfire and get that flexi disc dicks. Flexi disc. It's not um, up. It, yeah. I haven't put it up. There's some like just extra uh, deluxe stuff that I like didn't know what to do with because it's like cool stuff. It's cool, yeah. And you're you are running campfire locally. That could be yeah. maybe something to do. You yeah. want to talk about that in case people want to check it out? Sure. If you're in or around or traveling to the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, on uh, let me double check the date while I vamp. Uh, sure. at morning I can just I can just cut don't worry <laughs> at morning ritual coffee shop uh, we I am throwing a game night a campfire game night uh, and that will be on June the 9th um, just gonna have probably four stations set up with different decks and let people decide which of the stories they want to 
partake in. Um, it's beginner friendly. It's about two hours of play. There will be drinks, uh, like non-alcoholic drinks. Uh, it's a coffee shop. There's good stuff there. And I was thinking we might even do like a special drink for the night, like a camp Ooh. campfire drink, like a like a s'mores hot chocolate or something Ooh, like that. Yeah. Um, that just to kind so of good. lean into the theme of the evening, and I'll I'll be the camp keeper of the night and teaching everybody how to play. And uh, you'll also be able to buy the game there. And I think, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll give away some of the deluxe extra stuff, like the totes and stickers and crap. So. June 9th at Morning Ritual Coffee Shop. I'll have more stuff on my Twitter and Instagram when it gets closer. Awesome. That sounds so cool. Yeah. This won't be the only one. This is just the first one. And um, Morning Ritual is starting to do this series called Evening Rituals on Thursdays. So um, this is just the first one I've put together. But I think that'll be a fun thing moving forward of trying to come up with, like, game and drink pairings or like how can i foster storytelling games and role-playing games to new audience that's maybe interested but unfamiliar and that kind of stuff's going to be cool so keep a lookout yeah should we so we've done the theme was great this episode great idea should we just get into little updates about how we're doing and all that shit yeah what's up well you got that i uh i just sent Cyber Metal 2012 to print. Kablam! Did you Huge. feel the screen shake when Adam said that? Did you see <laughs> your phone started vibrating? Huge pivotal moment in my life story. <laughs> it's done! Um, so now I wait about two months for it to get printed and shipped. In that time, I'm going to be working on the DLC zine, uh, the SSD tattoo art book. I assembled all the sticker packs and tattoo sheets yesterday. Um, so just like picking away at the merch and add-ons for Cyber Metal so that that can ship in the summertime. Um, Soul Burner is being written now and going to go to print probably in about a month. Uh, just kind of like, yeah, tying ribbons around all of these crowdfunding projects I've done this year. And I mentioned briefly earlier that I'm doing a midsummer card game i actually just printed out a test deck yesterday so that i could play it tonight because it just like came to me like really quick really clean needs a couple playthroughs but i honestly think i might just kick it out um it's one of those things i am sure you have this too where you are waiting for the project to tell you its scope like I could yeah. do this on Patreon as a zine that you cut stuff out of and it, it would be fine. But if I had the right artist on it and Ooh. if it went to Kickstarter with like, hey, this is the Midsummer game, you know, like I think it would I think it would be gangbusters, but it's hard to tell. And I also know like you've all, we've also talked about just that false energy, the idea of running a third camp. It's May. It's yeah. May, five, five month. So, I've, and you're going on tour. I've done two campaigns and I have a tour in three months. So, like, <laughs> it's probably not smart to do another crowdfunder. But if I did one, I could make that physically what I want it to be. You know, like nicer cards. I could pay an artist. I could do the the full Monty on it. 
You also have Tabletop Super Bowl coming up in October. So yeah. That could be. My tour goes from September 15th to October 30th. Oh, my God. It breaks my heart because not only <laughs> not only is that too long, but I, I'm gone for the entire duration of Halloween season, and that that hurts. That's like brutal. Not only the most fun stuff to do, but also when I sell the most games and probably when I play the most games. Yeah. So I'm going to clone myself between now and October to take full advantage easy just get a adam husk get a 3d printer distro (laughs) yeah uh what about you what's on your docket on my docket well torque is all done and i am getting the digital kit ready i have made the free miro rules or not miro card rules which are looking really good so that should go up um this month or next and for torque um we're gonna do like a demolition derby weekend over with uh tony plus one exp um tony vicinda over there and that should be super fun um so that is great i am play testing this discord has ghosts in it g-o-t-y edition goaty and that is going super well um goated such a fun play with the sauce goaded with the sauce quirked up ghost boy <laughs> um and <laughs> uh that is uh looking good uh like i have mentioned before everyone who has gotten the game on itch will get the update for free and you can pre-order the physical version which comes with a special disc filled with creepy stuff over on goodluckpress.co uh, I'm especially vibrating this weekend because I had a first group playtest of Big Grave Fashion Fantasy, and it went super-duper well. Um, we played in one of the pre-made settings there called Last, last Gasp, which is um, a bunch of spaceships floating around the last star in a dead universe. And you, they did a rave. They went to a rave and... <laughs> um, made themselves known and yeah i uh, did a couple one-on-one play does with seb earlier this week and it just went super well this game is going to be hot shit um so if you want to play test that come again good luck press come hang on the discord i'll be doing open calls in the brain trust as well uh yeah then other than that that's kind of i just edited die um by kieran gillen um, that is on Kickstarter now, and I am also working on Mutants in the Next by Julian K, which is also on Kickstarter now. The game looks really pretty. Um, yeah, so a lot of, lot of stuff, a lot of games and gigs. Hell yeah, I'd love to hear it. And what else can I talk about? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, let's just wrap it up. Let's just wrap it the fuck up. Um, I have been Willie Opes. You can find me online at will.com, goodluckpress.co, buy some games. Um, And if you want to playtest anything that you've heard me talk about, shoot me a DM. We can figure it out. That would be great. And I'm on Twitter at WCGameCo, and my games are at worldchamp.io. I also, oh, I just, I didn't talk about, I just put up Lucid. Oh, right. Um, I meant to say something. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot the game I just made last week. 
Um, Lucid false energy is cool. I, it was my first attempt at like hacking a system in a long time. I used Caesar Capital's push system and some stuff from Torque and some stuff from Necronautilus and made this weird little hybrid baby zine where you go into people's dreams and fight nightmares and it's very weird GMless psychedelia in the style that you would expect from me. So um, that came first to my backers at patreon.com slash worldchampgameco. And uh, then, yeah, the scene's up at worldchamp.io, along with everything, uh, along with Campfire and all the other games. Well, nope, none of the other games that we talked about today. <laughs> um, <laughs> Those are at uh, williopes.itch.io. That's yeah. will, J-O-B-S-T, at itch.itch.io. Um, yeah, be a real one. Go back Adam's Patreon at the restructured levels. Get those physical games. You are, no matter what, it's a steal. Yeah. It took me a long time to reckon with the restructure, but it's still, you can get zine games in the mail almost every month. Free shipping, $10. Like, 10 fucking dollars. It's still cheaper than getting it in my store. You should say these are the games you want to see in the world. If you're listening to this podcast, go back it. Go get that Patreon. Yeah. And uh, Cyber Metal 2012 still up at pentagram.city for the for the pre-orders. Until next time. Brain emoji. Uh, brain emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>